If you've ever seen a sculpture or an ancient coin of a Roman emperor, you've probably noticed that they were wearing a wreath on their head. That wreath, however, doesn't mean what you probably think it means. It actually had a very specific meaning, which predated the imperial age, and the reason why emperors wore it had all to do with a single person. Learn more about the civic crown, also known as the Corona Kiwita, on this episode of Everything Everywhere Daily. This episode is sponsored by ButcherBox. Several times I've mentioned the grass-fed and grass-finished ground beef and steaks that you can get from ButcherBox. This time, I'd like to tell you about their exceptional salmon and seafood. Most of the salmon that you might buy at a store is actually farm-raised. These salmon are fed a diet that isn't natural for salmon, and as a result, their flesh tends to be gray, not pink. To compensate for this, they're then fed a synthetic chemical to replicate the color of natural salmon. ButcherBox sources all of its seafood directly from independent fishing operations in places like Alaska, Maine, and Massachusetts. Everything is wild-caught and sustainably harvested with no added chemicals, dyes, hormones, or preservatives. The result is some of the finest salmon, scallops, cod, and shrimp delivered directly to your door. Sign up for ButcherBox today by going to butcherbox.com daily and use code DAILY at checkout and enjoy your choice of bone-in chicken thighs, top sirloins, or salmon in every box for an entire year. Plus, get $20 off. Again, that's butcherbox.com daily and use code DAILY. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is sponsored by CuriosityStream. If you're interested in ancient history, CuriosityStream has shows for you. One of my favorites is the docudrama Destiny of Rome. It's a two-part series that starts with the death of Julius Caesar and ends with the victory of Octavius over Mark Anthony. The best part of the show is that the actors all say their lines in Latin. Prices start as low as $2.99 per month or $19.99 per year, one of the cheapest streaming services available online. If you're a curious person, then start your subscription by visiting everything-everywhere.com slash curiositystream, or click on the link in the show notes. Let's start this discussion by clarifying what the wreath on the head of Julius Caesar was not. It was not a crown signifying authority. Today, we associate wearing a crown with being a monarch. When the queen opens parliament, she wears a crown signifying her position as the monarch. The crown often becomes a symbol of the authority of the monarch, even if it isn't worn. That's why all the mailboxes in the UK have a crown on them. While crowns have a very ancient history, the rulers in the area around the Mediterranean thousands of years ago usually wore something called a diadem. A diadem is crown-like, but it's actually more like a headband. I'll have a bit more to say about diadems in a bit. So, what was the thing on the head of Julius Caesar? The wearing of wreaths on the head goes back to ancient Greece. They usually gave them out to the winners of the Olympic Games and sometimes to winners of other competitions for things like poetry and oratory. It was their equivalent of a medal or a trophy. 
When the Romans took the idea of a wreath from the Greeks, and they stole a whole lot from the Greeks, they kept the idea of using it as an award or a medal. The difference was, they didn't give them out for competitions in athletics, poetry, or oratory. In true Roman fashion, they gave them out for military achievement. The crown you see Julius Caesar and subsequent Roman emperors wearing is called the Civic Crown or the Corona Cuica. The Civic Crown was the second highest award that could be given out in the Roman military, and the closest thing I can think of is that it would be comparable to the Medal of Honor in the United States, the Victoria Cross in Commonwealth countries, or the Legion of Honor in France. The Civic Crown was a wreath made of oak leaves. The requirements for winning the Civic Crown were very specific. In particular, three things had to be done. First, you had to have saved the life of a Roman citizen in battle. Second, you must have slain his opponent in combat. And finally, you must have maintained the ground on which the action took place. In addition to all of the above, the person whose life was saved had to testify to the actions of the recipient. So if you had a comrade who falls in battle and you risk your life to bring them to safety, that wouldn't cut it. If you killed an enemy in battle and saved someone's life, but in the process you retreated, that wouldn't win it. Being awarded the civic crown was a really big deal in Roman society, and the civic crown conferred many advantages to the recipient. In fact, if you won the civic crown, you always had to wear it to public events. For starters, the civic crown recipients were allowed to join the Senate. Membership in the Senate was normally restricted to upper-class Romans with lots of money. Also, when a recipient entered a public space like a theater or an amphitheater, everyone was expected to stand to their feet. So, what does this have to do with Julius Caesar? When Caesar was in his early 20s, after being pardoned by Sulla during the First Roman Civil War, Caesar joined the military. His first experience of combat was at the Siege of Mytilene on the island of Lesbos. We have no record of exactly what Caesar did to earn the civic crown, but he must have done all three of the things which were required. Caesar wasn't a big deal at this point in his life. He was on the wrong side of the Civil War, he had most of his property confiscated, and he was still very young. So it's very likely that he earned it legitimately, as he wasn't in a position to have earned it for anything less. Caesar was also extremely ambitious, so it's likely that he might have gone out of his way to see military glory, but he probably didn't cheese his way into the honor. The civic crown was certainly a huge boost to his political and military career later on. Now, it should be noted that before Caesar was assassinated, he was offered a diadem during the celebration of Lupercalia, which he declined. So the Romans made a clear distinction between the civic crown and a royal diadem. After Caesar died and his posthumously adopted son Octavian became the Emperor Augustus, the Caesar awarded him the civic crown for saving the lives of Romans by ending the Second Civil War and bringing peace. He didn't actually win it in combat. Subsequent emperors were all given the civic crown by the Senate as part of the many honors and powers bestowed to the emperor. Over time, the wreath became known as a symbol of imperial authority, and it would appear on coins as the symbol of the emperor. The historian Pliny the Elder wrote of the civil crown, quote, Nor is the same honor any greater if the recused person is a general, because the founders of this institution wish the honor to be supreme in the case of any citizen. The receiver of the wreath may wear it for the rest of his life. When he appears at the games, it is the custom for even the Senate always to rise at his entrance, and he has the right to sit next to the senators, and he himself and his father and his paternal grandfather are exempt from all public duties. End quote. There were other people who won the crown as well, but only a few are known to us from history. Perhaps the most notable was Sicinius Detatus, who died sometime around the year 450 BC, who won the civic crown 14 times. <laughs> 
Likewise, Marcus Molinius Capitolinus, who was consul in 392 BC, was awarded the crown six times. Now, if you were paying attention, you might have noticed that I said that the civic crown was the second highest military honor, yet I equated it to the highest military honors in many countries today. What was the highest military honor then? That was called the grass crown. The reason why I don't equivocate the grass crown with other contemporary military honors is that there really is no equivalent for it. The grass crown could only be awarded to generals or other commanders. They were given to the generals whose actions saved the lives of an entire legion or army. It was often given to commanding generals who rescued another besieged army. Pliny wrote of the grass crown, quote, But as for the crown of grass, it was never conferred except at a crisis of extreme desperation, never voted except by the acclamation of the whole army, and never to anyone but to him who had been its preserver. Other crowns were awarded by the generals to the soldiers. This alone, however, by the soldiers to the general. This crown is also known as the siege crown from the circumstances of a besieged army being delivered, and so preserved from fearful disaster. If we are to regard as a glorious and hallowed reward the civic crown, presented for preserving the life of a single citizen, and him perhaps the very humblest of rank, what prey ought be the thought of a whole army being saved and indebted for its preservation to the valor of a single individual? End quote. The physical grass crown would have been made on the spot from grasses and plants taken from the battlefield by soldiers who acclaimed the general. As with the civic crown, this too was eventually given to all the Roman emperors. Eventually, later emperors did take to wearing an actual diadem, which served as a crown as we would know it today. And that might have come from centuries of emperors wearing the civic crown. However, it all started with a 22-year-old Julius Caesar being rewarded for bravery on the battlefield on an island in the Aegean Sea. The associate producer of Everything Everywhere Daily is Thor Thompson. If you'd like to support the show, please donate over at patreon.com. There is content only available to supporters, merchandise, and even opportunities for a show producer credit. If you know someone you think would enjoy the show, please share it with them. Also remember, if you leave a five-star review, I'll read your review on the show.